on the patient side, even for example, in their homes, as we are looking at that breaking down of the boundaries of where care occurs and trying to identify that best location in order to help some of our patients in their home, the best way for them to be able to interact with us will be through voice technology as opposed to any other user interface. Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. It is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Stephanie Lahr, CIO of Monument Health in South Dakota, and Peter Durlach, Chief Strategy Officer for Nuance. Stephanie and Peter, thank you so much for setting aside the time, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Patty, very much. Very much appreciate uh, you making the time for us. Thanks, Patty. Good to be here. And Stephanie, welcome back, I should say, because you've been on our podcast before. So we're really glad to have you back on the podcast. Thank you. Always good to return. All right. Let's dive into this. Let's go straight to voice recognition and and the marketplace and the environment for adoption of voice recognition technologies. Let me preface that by saying I am a big fan of the potential of voice recognition to really transform healthcare as we know it. When I look at all of the use cases that are out there and what has been implemented with voice recognition technologies, such as those of Nuance, I find that the biggest use cases today are in what is referred to as ambient computing in a clinical context, and specifically documentation of patient encounters into the EHR. So let me start with this. What have been the broad learnings so far And uh, what are the next round of improvements likely to be in voice recognition? Yeah, thanks, Patty, for the question. I'll take it. I'm sure that Stephanie can can add to it. And you're right. The move from um, sort of directed voice where you say exactly what you want to this idea of a more intelligent listening system that the industry and we call ambient is really the next generation of technology is, as you know, in healthcare, long before we had the COVID pandemic, we've had the pandemic of administrative burden, overwhelming clinicians. As you probably know, they spend roughly twice as much time taking care of administrative requirements as seeing patients. And that has resulted among other, among other causes on clinicians really feeling burnt out, you know, depression going up, errors going up, people retiring. It's really been a, a crisis for healthcare and what what they all want as part of the solution is why can't they just focus on the patient have a conversation with the patient and, and use that conversation in the encounter whether it's in a physical setting or a virtual setting and then have the technology create the documentation for them and do other things like coding and things that they see as sort of taking away from taking care of patients but is required so that is really the state of the art we have a solution called the Dragon Ambient Experience that we launched right before COVID that does that exactly. And so we're still early in the journey around ambient, but it's a very exciting area. And in terms of the learning so far, I would say is that 
different physicians have different requirements. So we roll this out by specialties because you have to build these ambient models by specialty. And we've learned that for some clinicians, the technology fits in extremely well right now. For others, they may be looking for the technology to morph in a little way based on the workflow that they have. So as time goes on and as the technology matures, I think you're going to see more and more physicians across a wide degree of specialties really adopted. The results so far in general have been quite good. Uh, We're generally on average seeing a reduction in clinician burnout for those that are using it, dropping from about 72%, 17% and freeing up about six minutes per encounter for an average panel size of 20 to 30 a day. That's a couple hours a day. So as the technology gets better and better, faster and faster, and needs less and less human involvement in reviewing the note, I think you're going to see higher adoption and also the development of more automated things coming out of the note, like coding and quality abstraction. But Stephanie can really provide a great context here since she's on the ground with all this too. Yeah, I'll just add a couple of comments. This is one of those really fun times when as a CIO and CMIO, I get to deliver a tool to my clinical colleagues that they are excited about and really feel makes their lives and their interaction with the patient's better. I mean, it's unfortunate, but true. A lot of the things that we've done and had to do over the last decade or so sort of, you know, add to that burden that Pete referred to. And again, this is one of those times where, you know, I I have a waiting list of people who are excited to trial this. I do think that there are certain specialties that this is going to lend itself more to at least early on because there are some some workflow elements of this we definitely see our our proceduralist colleagues really being able to take this and, and fly and and that for them is great because to Pete's point if it the reduced time in, in documentation and some of those other things that gives them more time to do procedures and be in the operating room and and you know do those things that really impact the improvement of the lives of the patients the other thing I would say is you know we're still helping Helping our patients get used to this construct. Most patients are very accepting of this idea of sort of the, the conversation happening and then the note being created. They're accepting of it because they're anxious and excited to get the intimacy of their relationship with their provider back. But it is still an education point that we have to help our, our patients understand kind of what this is about and what it means and what it doesn't mean. Yeah. And if I may, I'd just like to add a quick follow-up question to that. Obviously, voice recognition is all about recognizing the voice, and that could mean that for non-native English-speaking populations, that could be an issue with the technology. And I, I certainly see that to be the case with a lot of personal tech. Is that something that the technology is beginning to overcome? Where are the puts and takes on that one? Maybe, Peter, you can take that one because it's more to do with the tech, I guess. Sure. Yeah, no, Patty, it's great. So on our sort of a core product in this space for the non-radiology clinician is a product called Dragon Medical One, which is a cloud-based dictation system that approximately 60% of all physicians in the U.S. use. That product already supports over 25 languages with incredibly high fidelity, and it's sold worldwide today. Um, on that front. In terms of the ambient part, as we do these more colloquial conversational stuff, that's earlier in the journey. So we're in the process now of, you know, morphing that into support multiple languages. Today, that is focused on English, but we have a lot of demand, as you would expect, 
to start penetrating other languages like Spanish, et cetera. So that's, mm -hmm. that's on the roadmap today. So depending on which product you're talking about, we either have wide coverage of that or we're on the early stages for the newest ambient piece. And let's also spend a minute, if possible, on non-clinical use cases. What, what are some of the high-impact, high-value, non-clinical use cases of voice yeah. recognition? Yeah, I'll talk about a few, and I know Stephanie has some really good perspectives on, on that. So one of the really hot areas which, which crosses both clinical and non-clinical is in the patient engagement space. As you know, like many industries before them, healthcare is really now taking this idea of using digital technologies to redefine what's often called in healthcare, the digital front door. How do you access care? How do you follow up on care and using technology? So from the nuanced perspective, you know, we're a leader in what's called omni-channel virtual assistant technology. So we power these sophisticated applications for companies like FedEx, USSA, Disney, American Airlines, when their consumers interact over a telephone line for like an an IVR interaction, if you interact a voice response when you call a system or a chat bot or on a social system like a Facebook Messenger. And so we've started to bring that all into the healthcare arena for healthcare providers as they look to do things like manage booking appointment. Did you prep for your clinical visit? Are you taking your meds? There's all of these both clinical and non-clinical use cases that are coming. A couple other areas that are, are happening is outside of healthcare, we're the leading provider of voice biometrics technology for user identification and to prevent fraud. This has generally been used in the banking, financial services industry for obvious reasons, and we're bringing that now into healthcare. I know Stephanie has a couple of really good examples of this in a moment she'll talk about. So that's a non-clinical thing that we're seeing. And the last case, which is clinical but is really exciting, is there's a whole set of companies that are building technology to use voice to actually help with diagnosis of clinical conditions. So there are companies that are doing using voice for clinical depression screening, for example. Yeah. Yeah. You may have seen recently some COVID screening. So this idea of using the acoustic signal to predict or triage or do screening is at the early stages, but is something super exciting uh, for us. So we look at expanding the capabilities of what voice can do beyond the core use today, which is really for documentation of the clinical encounter. But again, I, Stephanie will have some other thoughts on this, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I think just to highlight uh, and maybe expand a little on a couple of things that you mentioned, starting potentially first with authentication, passwords and the security of our systems really is one of those things that as a CIO does keep you up at night and passwords in and of their nature or passphrases even really, I don't think are they're not sustainable. There are just too many systems we all have to be in and out of. And so we take shortcuts on the utilization and and how we reuse and, and those kinds of things with passwords. So I love the idea of voice for authentication sort of on the clinical delivery side. I think one of the other pieces that Pete didn't mention, but is also work that's happening is on the patient side, even for example, in their homes, as we are looking at that breaking down of the boundaries of where care occurs and trying to identify that best location in order to help some of our patients in their home, the best way for them to be able to interact with us will be through voice technology as opposed to any other user interface that may 
just not be conducive based on some of their limitations. You know, we're already seeing things where people can set up, you know, medication reminders and things like that, but taking it to the next step of really almost having an attendant at home, a healthcare attendant at home and leveraging voice in that interaction. So I think those are some of the, you know, the really exciting pieces in addition or maybe further expanded than some of the things that Pete was mentioning. We are definitely starting to utilize the elements of, of IVR and texting and some of those things to help improve some of the patient experience elements that are high volume and can allow us to be more efficient with then the utilization of our in-person resources. And we really see it as a blend, again, to maintain that intimacy of the relationship. We could start off with some of these automated tools. If they're voice-driven, that is then more personal than something else. And then we can hand off to a real person when we get to some of the more complex related things. So lots and lots of really exciting opportunities, I think, with voice. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating range of use cases that we just covered. And it seems to me like broadly speaking, there is a productivity and labor cost saving aspect to some of this, some of these applications of the technology. And there's also the emerging, the high value clinical aspects of it. I particularly like the one where you use uh, biomarkers and voice uh, to screen for depression and other mental health conditions. And so I'll come back to that a little while down the road. Let me ask a, uh, let me ask a question to Nuance, uh, Peter. You've been on an acquisition spree. And most recently, I did see that uh, you acquired this company, Seikara. Uh, tell us a little bit about where that fits into your overall product roadmap and, and generally your acquisition strategy. Yeah, we actually, we've been pretty selective recently. We had a new CEO come in about three years ago on that. Historically, we had done a lot of acquisitions and uh, we slowed that down a little bit. But you're right, we did acquire a company, so it's Sakara, really interesting. So Sakara was founded by a guy named Harjinder Sandhu, who is a close personal friend of mine, used to be the healthcare CTO at Nuance about a decade ago, very sharp guy. And after he left Nuance, after a previous stint, he went off and started a patient engagement company with a partner of his, and then kind of came back to his roots, which is really around the clinical documentation space. So they started a company called Psychara to really try to do things similar to what we were doing with our Dragon Ambient experience. So we've been keeping in touch with Harjinder over the last couple of years. And, and recently, as they were about to go for their next round of financing, we sort of discussed with them together, what happens if we try to combine forces? Because we really all have a passion for solving this really big problem to help our clinician friends and clients, which is this idea of taking a colloquial conversation and turning that into a highly accurate, structured, summarized note with a set of extracted data using not a language that often wasn't even discussed in the conversation explicitly is a really hard technical task. And so for us, trying to combine the best and the brightest. There are very few people in this world that actually have experience trying to solve this problem. And Harjinder's team had relevant experience. So for us, it was really an attempt to take the our incredible team that we have with DAX and supplement it with the great team that Harjinder put together and combine that into one journey together with a common mission. So that's really why we came together to do this. And so all of the Sakara team are, are going to be working on our combined DAX effort, and we'll look to integrate components of their technology where appropriate and really try to attack this really 
important you know moonshot that we're all after in this in this ambient world. So that's really what the purpose was of that acquisition. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about the impact of COVID. It seems like a really long year that just went by, and we're kind of climbing out of it. Hopefully, how has COVID nineteen impacted uh, the demand or the adoption for voice based solutions? And, and maybe Stephanie, you can you can speak to it from the point of view of Monument Health. And Peter, I'd really love to hear it from the broader context of what you're seeing in the market. Yeah, thanks. It's been a really interesting journey over this last year. And, you know, I think from a technology perspective, one of the silver linings of this pandemic has been the rapid deployment and adoption of a variety of different technologies, some of which was telehealth. And we all saw this sort of massive uptick in telemedicine. And we did it in a construct where the reality was our, our providers were sort of flying by the seat of their pants in most situations because most of our organizations, for a variety of reasons, didn't have a ton of experience or a deeply embedded telemedicine infrastructure before that. And it really is a different way of delivering care to a patient. It takes practice and experience and and a little bit of a a different format in order to have a high quality telemedicine experience with a patient. So one of the things that we saw was that, you know, we had a provider who was sitting in front of a computer, sometimes in front of two computers or multiple screens, depending on whether the video was integrated. They still needed access to the EHR. They wanted to look at the patient. They needed to create their documentation. And the patient was sometimes looking for additional assistance and kind of how to maneuver through this. And it was overwhelming at times to be able to figure out how and what to concentrate on. And so, for example, with DAX, it was a great use case, we already knew that it was going to be amazing to sort of take this ambient technology and have a conversation in the background in an in-person interaction. Because again, we want to solve the problem of the documentation burden, but the documentation burden was sort of compounded in this telemedicine environment where we didn't have a good way to be able to look at the EHR document, talk to the patient and use the technology at the same time. So if the documentation was writing itself, while we were having the conversation and I was managing the technology with the patient, what a huge you know win that was. And so mm-hmm. definitely we, we saw that in telemedicine. And then the other piece I think that was huge was we saw really rapid and sometimes very difficult to predict changes in demand. And so for an example, our nurse call center would at times get a hundred calls in a day. And then the next day with the same staffing plan in place would receive 700 calls in the day. I can't on an ongoing basis without a crystal ball know exactly which day is going to happen, you know, with that 100 or the 700, it was variable depending on everything else that was happening in the environment, what was coming out on the news, all of those kinds of things. So we we began to see that maybe automation and automation with voice was a tool set that we could use to help us get through these high demand periods, again, allowing the people who needed to do the in-person work to be able to focus on the highest and most complex elements of that tax 
and let the voice and other elements maybe be able to help patients who didn't need that higher level support. And so lots and lots of use cases started to come out around where we could leverage voice to get through this really high demand situation where none of us had enough resources. Fascinating, fascinating. Peter, what are you seeing? What have you been seeing in the rest of the uh, the healthcare ecosystem? Yeah, well, what Stephanie is seeing, you could kind of rinse and repeat throughout the market, really, we've seen. So, you know, on the voice side specifically, the two big things that have exploded are exactly aligned with what Stephanie did. One is that the, as I mentioned before, the clinicians, docs, nurses, et cetera, were, were not in great shape from a burnout perspective before COVID hit. And obviously it's been you know, absolutely overwhelming for them. So the demand for anything that could help them get through the day has really exploded, whether it was DAX, our Dragon Ambient product, or even, you know, with our our Dragon Cloud moving more expansively than that. I mean, we had things where a lot of these field hospitals, we work with Epic and others to stand up a whole voice-enabled system for our field hospitals in a few days in multiple cities. So there was that whole sort of, tools for clinicians to try to reduce as much of this other stuff as possible while they were trying to take care of patients. And as Stephanie also said, the inbound flux of patient requests around prepping for a telehealth visit, trying to log into their portal now about getting a vaccine have just overwhelmed the health systems. They don't, most health systems don't have the infrastructure to deal with it. And as Stephanie said, they certainly don't have the dollars to fund people to do that. So our digital patient engagement technology that again allows you to both on voice and like the website or text channels provide these inner, these automated systems to do a lot of the the basic lifting for them, both on inbound interactions and outbound has really exploded. We just also signed deals with a number of the large major pharmacy chains in the country that are rolling out the COVID vaccines now and doing centralized virtual assistant front ends to their scheduling system. So people can call up, find out what vaccine are they eligible and then actually book an appointment. So all of that sort of exploded both on the provider side, but also on the health plan and and retail pharmacy side as a result of COVID. Yeah, we're certainly living through a vaccine moment as we speak. And I like the way both of you have linked the uh, shift towards virtual care and, and the uptick in telehealth and how voice recognition technology plays into enabling that and making that an effective modality as far as delivering care is concerned. So I really like that. Well, we always talk about the yin and yang of all of these technologies on my podcast. So let me let me throw this out there. What is holding us back from a faster adoption of uh, voice recognition in healthcare? And what do you think are the big challenges that we need to overcome? Stephanie, you want you want to go first based on your experience at Monument Health? Sure. Yes, I'd love to. That I think one of the elements related to the, the challenges that we still need to overcome, documentation is amazing. We definitely want to do that and help improve that area of the satisfaction of our providers. But we got to go further than that. The amount of medical information to understand, digest, and then utilize in the care of patients is increasing exponentially. We need tool sets that can help us access the relevant information or even provide reminders. So I really want to see us, you know, go beyond documentation and doing things, for example, and Pete may talk about this, but, you know, the relationship between our EHR vendors and the the voice recognition side of things so that we can really almost, my goal would be to completely eliminate 
any kind of user interface with our providers that requires a keyboard. That is the ultimate, right? Let's get rid of the keyboard altogether. Let me have an interaction, a voice-based interaction with the patient and a voice-based interaction with the technology. If I need to know when the last CT scan was, let me ask it instead of typing and looking it up. If mm -hmm. the system is listening and thinks there's a piece of relevant information that I should know about as I look into placing an order or creating a plan, tell me about it proactively or alert me that there is, is potentially clinical decision support information that I need. In order to make those things happen, the integration between the EHR, which now sits at the center you know, of these tool sets, and the voice recognition side is an absolute requirement. Yeah, just to build on that, Pat, I think Stephanie, as usual, really hit it on the mark. So she really touched on two critical points. So in terms of driving adoption, obviously the core technology from folks like us has to be good enough to be used, number one. And I think we have done a good job of that. Uh, there's obviously room to improve. And certainly as we crack this ambient world, uh, you know, we're still early on that journey, but the early indications are positive. But as Stephanie mentioned, there's two other kind of key points. One is we integrate into other systems. So the more integrated and more natural the integration is, the better the adoption will be. So we're working with folks like Hate, with Epic, Cerner, Meditech, and others. All these virtual assistant technologies they've run, they've launched as under the names of like Hey Epic, Hey Cerner, Hey Meditech are all powered by Nuance technology. So we're working with the EA, the major EHR vendors to integrate that. So you can do exactly what Stephanie said, which is you want to basically have a virtualist. Every physician, well, not just physician, all of us would love to have a, an intelligent virtual assistant or a physical assistant that works with us. And so what we're trying to do is we're not going to you know, mimic everything a human can do, obviously, but there are a lot of tasks that if you had an assistant, you would really be much more productive. So this idea of being able to ask, and, and Stephanie's example, what's the latest CT or queue up an order or send a follow-up note to Pete Durlach's primary care physician, they should be able to do that very seamlessly by voice as if they were telling their assistant to go do that. So that's number one. Number two, this idea of turning the system into an intelligent system. And for clinicians, generally what intelligent means is you don't have to ask it for something. It's going to recognize something and tell you. So Stephanie's example of clinical decision support is a clear one. If we're listening to the conversation of the patient and we know their clinical history, we know what their primary diagnoses are and we hear something, why shouldn't the system be able to say, oh, it looks like they may be discussing X and based on the clinical indicators, this might be a good thing for you to talk to the patient about. That is what's going to come here as more AI gets applied to predictive analytics and predictive to clinical decision-making. That is really the holy grail here, which is you've got a, a virtual assistant that can do tasks for you, but also provide you clinical advice as if they were like a resident or a fellow working next to you. Yeah, and that may be a whole separate topic that we go into on another uh, uh, conversation, how you integrate voice data into your overall data and analytics infrastructure and how you apply advanced analytics tools and uh, AI and machine learning and so on. In the time that we have left for today's podcast, I just, uh, I just wanna ask you both uh, a question. If there is a best practice that you'd like to share with uh, your peers in the industry who are listening to this podcast, what would that be? Uh, Stephanie, you wanna go first? Yes, absolutely. So I think, the key here is think about the challenges that you are facing organizationally on the front end, the back end. Really, there's so many use cases for this. And 
ask yourself if voice could be a solution for that to help in the efficiency, et cetera, of, of solving the problem. There are, I think, a lot of places that we could leverage voice-driven technology that is going to be different than our typical construct, but I think really effective if we're willing to be open-minded and ask ourselves that question, could voice be part of the solution? And I say part of the solution as my second sort of best practice, which is If voice can lend to the improvement of a situation, it doesn't mean it has to be the complete answer. So I think the example that I gave earlier about an IVR or something having an initial interaction, authenticating a patient, confirming what it is that they're asking for, and then potentially handing that off to a live person for the more complex parts of of what might need to be done is a way to be able to move forward in increments and really start to see progress, knowing that we don't have to solve the entirety of the problem with one solution, but it might be one of the building blocks. So Mm -hmm. think about voice, but don't expect it to have to be the be all end all of everything. It may be a component. Wonderful, wonderful. Pete? Yeah, certainly to follow up on Stephanie, everything she said, I, I think the other way to look at this, and I know Stephanie has, has lived this, is sort of a different angle, but same idea, pick problems that are important to solve and then really get clinician owners and champions inside the organization. Because to, as you, we all know in healthcare, there's a lot of technology promises. And often, if you don't set yourself up for success, no matter how good the tech is, it's not going to be successful. So a big part of, I think, best practices is having alignment internally. Okay, these are the goals we're trying to achieve. These are the metrics we're trying to drive. Here are the internal champions. Because some of this stuff also involves some business process changes and integration with the EHR and really how to optimize these things. So I think having both the supplier of the technology and the internal stakeholders aligned on the objectives the internal alignment of, of what we're trying to drive through and then sort of an end-to-end view of how we're going to solve this, again, including things that may not be voice is really the critical. Extent. When you do that, we can absolutely drive meaningful outcomes. We have thousands of examples, including at Stephanie's shop, but many others around really material improvements in physician and nursing satisfaction, reduction of administrative time, better financial outcomes, better patient experience. So if you do it right, and you focus on a problem that we can actually solve with the tech, we, we can make a difference. Well, in other words, don't start with the technology, start with the business problem, and then lead into the technology. On that note, I guess uh, we're going to have to leave it there for today's podcast. Thank you so much uh, to both of you for being on the podcast, and I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you very much, Patty. Thanks, Patty. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partner, Powbox. Secure email for modern healthcare right out of the box.